This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Hey, welcome in. It's another edition of the opening kickoff. Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian in the studios of WNSP for the next three hours right here on the sports station. WNSP, good morning, sir. What's happening? Well, let's first of all congratulate the high school teams that have made it to the final four, Mark. McGill Tulin boys and girls, along with Foley girls, UMS Wright girls, and earlier this week, St. Luke. So we got five going up. The final four in Birmingham will take place from, well, next Monday through next Saturday, so a week long. I know it's an exciting time for you and your family and for all the other coaches and players and families who are going up there, and we wish them all well. Hopefully, they'll bring back a title. And I guess you going up, this will be the second straight year for the boys and McGill girls going for eighth time in the last nine years, but they got to go up against Hazel Green. Yeah, it's not a... uh it's not an optimal uh, matchup for the girls, but hey, man, they uh, they played well. Theodore played really well in that game. That game went into overtime. I saw a little bit of that one. I, I've seen a, a lot of basketball here lately uh, on the high school level, so a lot of great basketball being played. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite look. You know the whole it's just happy to be there. It's quite a feat to get to Birmingham. The the I've talked about this a lot. The obstacles that especially Mobile teams have to face. Uh, and to, to get over just to get to Birmingham is such an enormous feat. So any team and any classification, boys or girls, that can accomplish it, kudos to you. We'll be talking a lot about uh, basketball today. There's one football story I, I will uh, talk about very briefly, and then we want to get into the college basketball. Uh, the recently hired inside linebacker coach from Southern Miss to Alabama, Austin Armstrong, is gone. He, he lasted two months He's been hired by Florida as the defensive coordinator. Mike Rodak, who will join us later, may comment on that. But, of course, we got Mike on in lieu of what's going on with the drama surrounding Alabama. So last night, let's sum up, Alabama won in basketball, Auburn won, and South Alabama won. So all three victorious. But the, uh, the game that really, quite frankly, is being talked about more than any other is Alabama. And, and not because of the final score, uh, 78-76 in overtime over South Carolina, which obviously was a lot closer than people expected since the tide was a 17-point pick. But it's because that Brandon Miller actually suited up and played. And, of course, everybody's got different opinions on this. Most of you out there are well aware of the drama surrounding Brandon Miller, how his name was implicated in the uh, tragic shooting of 23-year-old Jamia Harris of which uh, uh, Darius Miles and Michael Davis are being held without bond. Uh, stories came out this week, quotes uh, from Nate Oates, which have been really, uh, he's, he's received a lot of social criticism. Miller did suit up yesterday and play and scored 41 yeah, he was unbelievable. career high points. You know, I almost hate to say this on the air, but I will say it. When my wife and I were discussing this and we were talking about should, should Nate Oates have disciplined him or suspended him or whatever? And I, I said, you know, they could probably suspend him against South Carolina and not need him. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> it's like, boy, did they ever need him? Yes. 
41 points, including six of the 10 in overtime, Mark. Yeah, so he they could not – they just didn't match up with him. They couldn't match up with his ability to get to the rim, and then they were leaving him wide open on kickouts. Uh, now, on the flip side, Alabama just couldn't get a stop, man. They they I mean, South Carolina played out of their mind as well, uh, but – Brandon Miller is such a matchup problem for for so many teams because of his length and his ability to get to the rim, and then he just he knocks down a three with such ease. Uh, but it was it was competitive basketball, man. It was a good game. I really did not want it to go into overtime because I had you know I had gotten back in town around three thirty and I turned on the second half of the game and I really wanted it to be over so I can go to bed, but. Man, those uh, South Carolina gave Alabama everything they wanted and more. It really was, and you know, you know, we point out this just because you're ranked number two and you got the better record, but you go on the road, and of course, there's a lot of drama surrounding Alabama these days. And it's certainly, I will say this for Brandon Miller, he, he was able to focus on the game. I don't know about the rest of the team, uh, but Miller, I think his lottery draft status may be shot up. There was some on the broadcast where they said he could be the first collegian uh, to be drafted, obviously referencing to the the great player over in France being the number one pick, but that Miller should be going very high in the draft. And again, it it reminds me of last year with Auburn and Jabari Smith. Uh, Although I'll say this, I, I don't remember Jabari Smith as good as he was, and he was really good carrying a team like Miller did last night. And again, with all that was coming down around the, the Alabama situation to go out and have a dominant game like that. Cause you, you know, you, if he came up with 20 points, 22, I'm sure people would have said, yeah, it's a really, really good game, but 41 points and South Carolina, I'm with you. They really played out of their minds. Their record is a little bit deceiving. A lot of freshmen on the team. Uh, at times they play well. I think they beat Kentucky this year and I think they beat Clemson. So they're capable as any team is. And let's face it. When, when I was watching, I, I went around the dial. Most of those SEC games last night were very competitive. Kentucky had to struggle to beat Florida. Uh, Auburn certainly had a struggle on their hands with Ole Miss. So it, it certainly wasn't surprising, although I didn't think it would be quite as close as it was, Mark. I, I don't want to rehash anything that you guys probably, I'm sure y'all no, got go ahead. into I the, want you to get so where. Where did you guys stand yesterday on the Miller status? And did has it changed at all in the last 24 hours? Like your opinion changed in the last yeah, 24 hours? Uh, Dan Jennings sat in for you, and, and he, he went through a lot of what I just showed you on the lawyer's report and said, based on all of that, there was no need to discipline or suspend Brandon Miller. My feeling is, number one, that Nate Oates, made it worse with his comments. And, and, I, and I backtracked on this because of the uh, incident at Bourbon Street where an LSU receiver, uh, wide receiver, was picked up on a gun charge, which by subsequently has been dropped by the state. Don't I, I, I have no idea why, but uh, apparently he surrendered his gun and, they, and he didn't have a permit for it. So I, I don't know the details there. But, but what, what I'm saying is the LSU people, including Brian Kelly, would not comment. They were just investigating. I think it would have been better for Nate Oates just to say nothing, and I'll tell you why. Let's go back to when this story first broke around January 14th, I think, Mark. Is okay. that when it was in Tuscaloosa when this young lady was shot to death? And at the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, at the time, He's, there was no action taken, although Brandon Miller and I think Bradley, they were in the vicinity. But he said, I, I have all the details. We know all the details. There's no reason, okay? Well, he backtracked 
yesterday and said he didn't have all the details. See, if to me, if there was going to be any kind of discipline, it would have been back then before all this stuff came out. You know, obviously you see the full investigation and some of the stuff the attorney came out about Brandon Miller. I was even confused yesterday. When the, first, the story came out yesterday, I thought, well, Darius Miles texted Brandon Miller and right. said, bring me my gun. So here I am. I'm envisioning that Brandon Miller goes back to a room or something, picks up a gun, hands it. That could have gotten him into big trouble. As it is, according to the attorney report, uh, Miles Davis had been a passenger in Miller's car. They had gone to a restaurant or something like that. The weapon was concealed underneath some clothing in the back seat. And according to Alabama, according to Byrne, Greg Burns and, and the detective, or to, I'm sorry, the attorney for uh, Miller, that Brandon Miller never touched the gun. He never handed it. He was asked, he was texted, come back, bring me my gun, but it was in the back seat. So Davis, I guess when the car got there, went in the car, got the gun, gave it to uh, Michael Davis, allegedly, uh, I have to use that word because it hasn't, you know, been proven yet. Uh, it, it will go to court as a grand jury. So, uh, Mark, I have such mixed feelings on this. I, I would have thought if you're going to do anything, a discipline, and it may have not have been a bad idea, maybe to suspend him for a game or so. I, I don't know. But it would have been back in January, not now, not after this information comes out because the prosecutor is not filing any charges. Now, that doesn't mean a university can't and there's a ruling up there that if you transport a gun or have anything to do with a gun you face disciplinary action but the higher ups there the president and the coach and ad but i think it probably would not have been a bad idea had something been done earlier because the national media is just all over this how do you feel about it well i find it interesting that they had enough information not to suspend him Enough information from the get-go, from the jump, to say he's good. Yet, just yesterday, they're still getting information they weren't aware of, or at least Nate Oates wasn't aware of. And some of it seemed to be pretty critical. So I'm just wondering how... how It, it, just, it just seems wrapped up a little too neat for me. Like all these things that you would you would wonder about seem to already have gone Brandon Miller's way. He got a text, but he was already on the way. There was a gun in the car, but he didn't know about it. Uh, you know, it just it just it. I'm not saying he did the kid did anything wrong. I'm not saying he did something wrong. I just find that the whole story seems a little too convenient. For Brandon Miller and Alabama fans. See now, the you, gun was legal. Yes. Which is a, But I don't which, know in the state if you... I was told in the state, and I may be dead wrong in this, you don't even have to have a permit anymore. Is that true? I don't know. All right. Tell me if you agree. I said on the air yesterday, if, if it wasn't Brandon Miller, but let's say it was the 10th or 11th or 12th player on right. the team, would he still be on the team? I raised that yeah. question yesterday. And and to your point, I think in most cases, uh, most coaches would be like, you know, player X has been suspended indefinitely until we can get more information. And he wasn't. And as it turns out so far, 
the narrative is that the kid didn't do anything wrong. Now, uh, it would be, it, it's already, it's a, to me, it's, it's, I'm skeptical, but imagine had information come out at this point that proved that he did do something wrong and you thought Nate Oates was in hot water yesterday, man, they would have crucified him nationally today, even more so. So I, I don't know, man. You got, you got statements coming out from lawyers that are specifically saying, Brandon Miller this, Brandon Miller that. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. It just seems like everybody is out there to protect Brandon Miller. And maybe it's because he really was innocent and had absolutely no idea what was going on. I just feel like there are a lot of other parties involved here that are in much deeper water that no one's really going to bat for. We're not finding out a whole lot of information about at this point. I just feel like everybody's talking about how Brandon Miller didn't do anything wrong. And I just feel like that somehow seems to be the priority with all the parties involved here is Brandon Miller. And you, again, let's face it, you have to ask yourself, is he entitled because of his basketball status? Yeah. Is that what this is all about? Um, just because the prosecuting people say no charges will be filed doesn't mean the university yeah, can't I mean, take action. The, because well, if, in fact, he did violate and it was brought out that they do have uh, on on paper that if you're transporting a gun or right. doing something like that, that you can be disciplined. But then, you know, the whole I didn't know it was in my car is not generally a defense, you know, when it comes to— um, All right, well, back up on that. of legality. I wonder about that because if he was text and, and Miles Davis said, bring me my gun. Now, he was already on the way over there, according to the lawyer's report. But did he and, – and don't you think he would have known that the gun was in the back seat if Miles Davis says, I need my gun? Yes. Now, apparently he was on the way before he even got the text. But right. why is nobody questioning why – the Brandon Miller didn't know there was a gun in his car. Even if it were legal, and even if, you know what I mean? Like, I th that's that's one of the points I have a question about. How do you not know? Would it have been such a bad thing? Go back to... Because they had written together, and so the, the idea was he stashed it in the back under some clothes. Well, did you not know your buddy, who I'm assuming was riding shotgun, didn't reach into the back of the car and stow his gun? I It just... I don't know. I and got would, questions. Would it have been such a bad thing had he been disciplined after the incident first broke and his name was linked to this until further details came out? To me, it seems. Six twenty-four. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues in the app. Bobby said the biggest question no one is asking is why is someone asking for a gun at midnight in downtown? Common sense will tell you that's not a good idea. I think the reason, first of all, you're right, but I think the reason that gets put on, to use a leaf phrase, on the back burner, is because it is being told to us by lawyers and uh, officials that Brandon Miller was already on the way. And so didn't know or 
um, it was apparently insignificant that he was asking for the gun because he was already on the way to get him anyway. You know, and again, right or wrong. And again, the narrative of this has shifted yesterday drastically from Brandon Miller to Nate Oates because of his comments at his press conference. Where, and then he came back and said, I didn't know this other information. And yet you go back to January when he said, yeah, we had all the details. And so then after apparently he had a meeting with the president and everybody concerned and lawyers, they decided that it would be best to suit up Brandon Miller. I mean, obviously there was discussion on this. It wasn't just one man's opinion. But I think what happened, at least in the last day or two, it really fell on the coach rather than on Miller because of the things he said. Yeah. Uh, one other basketball note. I don't know if y'all saw this in the Florida-Kentucky game, but three Kentucky player, uh, fans were thrown out for uh, for essentially grabbing um, a, uh, a Kentucky player. So one of the Kentucky players, Cason uh, Wallace, was, I guess, chasing down a loose ball and kind of dove or fell into the fans and so it looked like initially one of them tried to like catch him but he tried to jump up and run like to get back into the play and one of them kind of grabbed him around the the waist and held him for a second another one appears to kind of grabbed him around the neck and not let him go either they actually reviewed the play and tossed all three fans from the game last night. Okay, clarify. You said three Kentucky fans or Florida fans? Florida fans. Flo- I'm sorry. Okay, just it like- was a Kentucky player. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, unless they now initially it did look like they tried to tried to help him, like they tried to uh, you know stop him or try to help him from falling or whatever. But I think they held on just a little too tight as he was trying to get back on the floor. They have not actually interviewed those guys to see what their intent was, but I felt like there for a second they were actually trying to help the player, but they got tossed, and one of them kind of raised his hands to the crowd, and they all started cheering him. Not one of the finer moments in SEC basketball, I can assure you. Definitely, and I got some other stuff. I I wanted to uh, throw this out on that LSU deal because this Malik Neighbors, who was their leading receiver, this, this is just something I just don't understand, and again, you know, every every city, every state has different laws. But he was picked up the other day on Bourbon Street carrying an illegal weapon. And he was arrested Monday night on Bourbon Street and was scheduled for a bond hearing Mardi Gras Day, which would have been Tuesday. But the state refused charges on the condition he surrender his gun. Hey, buddy, give me the gun and no charges. Yeah. I don't get it. I'm sorry. Another uh, story that has to do with somebody in Louisiana, somebody we know very well, Alvin Kamara. A Las Vegas grand jury has indicted Kamara. Now, this is the case that dates back to last February, along with Bengal defensive back Chris Lamming, two others, and the alleged beating of an individual last February. So, Mark, they sent this to a grand jury, and apparently video emerged showing this guy getting beaten up by four people. Yeah. So... We'll see how that strings out. We talked about this a lot during the season. We kind of told you that Kamara would play this year for the Saints. The case was still under investigation. So now you got the grand jury indictment. Now you wonder what's going to happen based on that. All right. Uh, You guys are uh, still very much uh, passionate about the Brandon Miller stuff. In the app, Miles didn't elaborate on his text. He basically said, return my property. Miller returned the property. The end. Sean, unfortunately, common sense isn't written into the law. 
Yeah, this will be one that we talk about for some time, I believe. When we come back, Craig Kennedy, the Spring Hill College basketball coach, will join us. McGill Toolin coach Philip Murphy at 6.50 and Paul Feinbaum at 7 o'clock. We continue on here this Thursday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee from the studios of WNSP. Stay with us. Welcome back in a Thursday edition of the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. Well, yesterday we had Darnell Archie. They open up conference tournament play tonight. It's a late game at 930, University of Mobile. Spring Hill College is getting ready to leave for their tournament, which is coming up this weekend. And the guy that knows all the details, he's the trip coordinator. Also the head coach, Craig Kennedy. Coach, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, fellas. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing? Good. So what what's the Badgers itinerary? Do you leave today and when do you play? We leave today and we play Saturday at noon. Yeah. Against? Oh, I, I thought you were going to throw that tidbit in yourself. We play against Edward Waters. We, op- we open up at Edward Waters and, and should we win that one, then we would play uh, Tuesday against Fort Valley. And then it would be Thursday against Miles College, and then Friday in the semifinals and Saturday in the finals. So if you stay up there that whole week, that's going to eat up your whole budget pretty much, huh? <laughs> well, that uh, that's, um, takes a big chunk out of it, that's for sure. Craig, talk about be, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, that's, yeah, I may be on the side of the road selling, uh, selling Spring Hill College hats and stuff in order, to, uh, in order to pay for the meals while we're out there. Or you could, better yet, you buy the food and you cook for the team, which you've been doing during the year anyway. Well, yeah, I could do that. We may, we may grill out a little bit while we're there. So you had a huge win on Monday, which yeah. snapped the losing streak. Does that change the mindset of this team? Have you seen anything in, a, I guess, the day later practice-wise that you get a victory like that to take it on the road going to this tournament? Oh, it's nice to have a little, a little bit of momentum. Um, you know, one of the things I told the guys is, is listen, you, you grow from adversity. The great thing with this team is they have never wavered in their effort and their intensity in practice all year long. You'd never know whether we were on a win streak or on a losing streak with this bunch. It's always the same. And really, when you head into the tournament, you got to win five games in a row. Let's say we had won our last three. Now we're trying to win eight in a row. And that's a tough task for a young team like we are. So, in some ways, we won this one. We got one win. We're feeling good. We told our guys, hey, let's look at this as like a first-round conference win for us, and now we can start to get a little bit of momentum going into the tournament. 
Craig Kennedy, our guest here on WNSP, coach of the Spring Hill College. All right, so you and I have talked uh, a little bit this season. You guys have not been able to put your full roster or full lineup out there for much of the season at all. Where are you from a health standpoint, and and, and uh, are you going to be able to actually put your guys out there for the tournament? Yeah, we haven't. We have we've had one practice since mid-November with the whole team. Um, and yesterday we had three guys on the sidelines, so it uh, it, it 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 could be uh, kind of like a lottery pick is who's going to be starting next. Um, you know, we know we we lost both our twenty point per game scores at some point. Um, you know, Tana was out yesterday. We think Tana will be back for this weekend. Uh, Eli was out; he had split his elbow open, uh, but he'll be back. You know, these guys are gamers. And um, you know they're gonna they're gonna be ready to go this weekend. Most of them. Craig, having, no. Craig, having traveled with many teams to tournaments, usually it's all business. But one thing that I've admired about you, the Renaissance coach, you try to schedule events surrounding basketball, kind of like an educational. What are some of the uh, travel points on this trip to Savannah that you feel you want to, let's say, acclimate the team to? Well, it's. Uh, you know, life is about education, especially with, you know, especially with with young people like this. And you know, at the end of the year, only one team wins, so there has to be something more to the season than than just winning. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to Fort Pulaski, which is a historic fort in Savannah. Um, a lot of our guys have been studying history and um, history that has been dealing with with slavery in the United States. So there's some places along the way. Uh, when we get into Savannah, that we're going to go in and check out there with the guys. So that's and then, well, the Johnny Mercer home is is there too. Um, of course, Lee, you and I are the only two who would know who Johnny Mercer is, but we may stop in there and and, and one of the most prolific songwriters in American history. Uh, well, Craig, we certainly we appreciate it. And look, good luck. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you next week while you're still in Savannah. Thanks, good. And Lee, we're we're gonna go to a couple a couple really nice eating places while we're there. I think we might try to stop in the Gray, which is an, a 1930s uh, Deco bus station. And uh, we'll thank you guys while we're there. How Send you that? a pic from 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 the trip. Yeah, just just uh, just tweet at Shervanian at Shervanian Lee. Uh, he'll find it on Twitter. There, there you go. Is you, Lee, are you on Snapchat too? Oh sure. What is that? I don't even know what that is. Ba- baby steps, Coach. Baby steps. One thing baby at a time, steps. Craig. One thing there at a time. Hey, safe oh, travels. Thanks. Oh, I got one big question. Are you, is, yeah. the, is the president of the universe, uh, the college, going to be sitting on the bench with you? I don't know. We, 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 we may need her. I mean, she, uh, we played so well with her there. We may have to smuggle her out with us. You know. But, uh, yeah, it was so, it was so nice uh, Dr. Van Brunt being on the bench with us for our last uh, our last home game. But Father Poye is going to come and say a blessing on the team before we leave this morning. So we'll go with God. <laughs> I, I can't it can't hurt, man. Hey, safe travels. Uh, we appreciate the time, no and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks so much, fellas. You have a blessed day. He he is a trip, but it's true what happened. We did the game Monday night, and the president was there sitting on the bench like an assistant coach, Mark, and they won, and they won big. So. We were joking about that. No joke about bachelor service, though. They've been serving the needs of Mobile and Baldwin County for 54 years. Bachelor service is our Thursday, 
team of the day. And we do thank Rick True and his staff. They offer, they check so many boxes when you talk about uh, bachelor service, such as plumbing services to the home as well. Full complement of all purification products. Also, whole house generators in stock. Now, that's something you got to check on. I mean, it, they, they, they have some, they don't, you know, they go fast. They also have energy savings maintenance agreements for heating and air conditioning and generators and that very special ongoing $79 per system tune-up special. They're a Daikin Comfort Pro offering the Daikin line of air conditioning equipment with the most state-of-the-art technology available in the industry. Uh, Rick True can be reached at 476-4321. And uh, if you want to visit them on your uh, internet site, Bachelors service.com in a couple of weeks uh, mark we'll be going out to bachelor service for a special one hour show we always follow selection sunday with a college basketball show out at bachelor service so i really appreciate rick true and his staff for coming aboard speaking of hitting the road we are on the road tomorrow for our championship drive where are we headed baker how about that and since students are out, we wouldn't have any problem finding a place to park. <laughs> it's all about convenience. That's yes, for sure. it is. Oh, we do have quite a staff coming out there. I mean, coaches coming out there. Uh, Dave Armstrong is scheduled to be there. Now, Steve Norman, who is always a, a great guest, uh, he's, he's on the road. He's uh, visiting uh, a campus with his, I don't know if it's son or daughter. I think it's son. In fact, they're up at Auburn. So we'll probably have him on the phone. Uh, we'll have baseball, softball covered, the new softball coach. So, and, and of course, the athletic director Daniel Curtis too. And also, the, we'll be giving away some uh, gift cards, uh, gift certificates from Beefo Brady's. Beefo Brady's uh, athletes of the week, uh, Todd Wysong and the fine folks over there once again on board with us to uh, shed the a little light on some of the great things going on in spring sports. So, looking forward to that. Actually, I want to talk. I'm sorry, Norman wouldn't going to be there because I got to ask him. He's the you know he's the coach that made headlines across the country for his comments about he'll be on Nick the phone. Saban. We'll so, get him on the phone. He will be there on the phone. I need to know if he's got any other juicy insight that he hasn't well, re- released to the media yet. I don't know if you're aware of this. You know how you say like you're indirectly irresponsible or responsible. I'm kind of like in the middle of that. Because Glenn Gilbo, I think, is the one who released that story, maybe. Mm-hmm. And Glenn had asked me, he had called me and asked me for some of the high school coaches' numbers. I didn't know who was going or not. So that's one of the coaches that I recommended he call. And I think that's where that started from. So it was your fault? Well, I don't know if you could say, And I was I an enabler? Is that what you're saying? Was I... I didn't know that uh, that's st- hey it's the same thing with the- I didn't know that the story was coming out right I just gave him a phone number right there was no intent no intent there was no, no. intent there no because I wasn't even aware of the story but uh, Glenn was seeking out some coaches and it turned out to be quite a story all right so let's do this let's go ahead and break now we're going to be joined by uh mcgill coach philip murphy and then we'll take your phone calls a little bit as well paul feinbaum said to join us at seven o'clock brandon silver uh here locally playing in the xfl will join us at 7 30 jd byers the voice of the jags at eight o'clock and mike rodak my colleague over at al.com on this brandon miller thing we'll continue to talk about it as you guys continue to debate it in the app stay with us we'll wrap up our number one next right here on the sports station wnsp
Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. on unguarded threes. Miller takes it strong and drops the hammer. Oh, my God. All right, 648, a little snippet from uh, last night's Alabama overtime win over South Carolina. We'll get back to that here in just a second. At the outset of the show, we congratulated the five schools from the Mobile, Baldwin County area that have a chance for a, a championship uh, yesterday. Uh, McGill Tulin boys and girls won, so they're going up to Birmingham. Foley girls are going. UMS Wright girls are going. Earlier this week, it was St. Luke's, and we're very pleased to have Philip Murphy, the head coach of McGill's boys, on with us right now. Philip, welcome to the show. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Good morning, guys. So I wanted to ask you where this team, in your mind, stands now going to the Final Four in contrast to last year's team that went to the Final Four. I mean, uh, I, you know, we've we've got a tough matchup, just like we did last year, which anybody would expect in the Final Four. Um, I think we're a lot more balanced than we were last year. I think uh, a little more difficult to um, to scout uh, and to guard. Um, not not nearly as dynamic, obviously, as we were last year. But uh, I lean on the side of a balanced team being a little more difficult to scout. How different is it uh, facing a team from Mobile, having to go to Montgomery to face a team that you're familiar with, although you didn't play this year, but very familiar with, as opposed to playing a team that you rarely see in, in Buckhorn? Yeah, uh, well, obviously, I mean, the prep's a lot easier, and, and you got a lot of uh, better feel. I mean, we go back to the semifinal game against Park Crossing, playing an unfamiliar team, and you know, we did all the scouting, uh, all the homework, uh, had all of their stuff and their personnel, talked to other coaches. But, you know, until you truly get to be around those kids in your own city and see them play, it's just hard to get a gauge until you get out there. So um, it's a great advantage for us uh, playing a team that we know and that our kids know their personnel. But, uh, uh, you know, we we got started working a little bit on Buckhorn last night. and uh, We're going to continue that today and start to paint that picture. Can you, I mean, you've been you've been at this a while, Coach. Can you kind of put this season in perspective? Uh, I mean, last year it was thirty and five, Final Four appearance. This year it's it's twenty nine and six. You're knocking on the door at Birmingham again. But like you said, it's a lot different. Um, this team, as you pointed out, a lot more balanced. Can you kind of put this game in, or this season in perspective as it relates to past teams you've had a chance to coach? Yeah, I mean, they're they're similar to our 2018 runner-up team in the way they're balanced and kind of their personnel. Um, this team shot, uh, you know, shot a lot more threes uh, than any of my other teams. Um, but I tell you, the the one thing that that stands out about these guys is uh, they've created their own formula. Uh, you know, early in the season, we talked about we started off one and two and had a meeting and I told them, you know, you're not a part of last year's team. That team is gone. Uh, we, a bunch of guys on that team gone, a bunch of talents gone. You guys have got to find your own way and your own identity to make this work for you. And there's a formula to do that. And so with the help of coaches and players, uh, they were able to formulate uh, what the plan is going forward. And, and, and here we are today. Philip Murphy, the coach of the McGill Toolin at Yellow Jackets, our guest here on WNSP. 
How uh, how special was it that you got? I know you guys shared a moment with the girls team uh, after you guys won. You all were there to watch them play. You played right after they stayed and watched you guys. How special is it that both you and Carla Barry are going on the same, the same year? Oh, no, it's really cool. Um, I want to say this is uh, maybe our fifth time uh, doing this together, but Carl and I have been working together for quite some time, and uh, we've uh, developed a very good friendship. Um, we're not just co-workers. So uh, to be able to see her go same time after missing last year uh, is pretty special. Uh, I know when we, you're on, we talk a lot about Devin McCain and Bennett Russ, and rightfully so, but uh, Ray Andrews had a hell of a game yesterday. Yeah, he, he did. And, I, and, you know, yesterday on uh, uh, Randy and uh, Ben's show, we talked about the unsung heroes, and the first two names that come up are uh, Raymari Andrews and uh, Alex Heim. Um, those guys don't get talked about enough, but they mean so much to what we do. And, you know, really they're two, those two guys – are guys that started last year, but they didn't play huge minutes. Um, they were there and they, they witnessed everything and they saw what needs to be done or what doesn't need to be done. And um, For them to have the senior year that they've had uh, is, is pretty amazing. Um, you know, and behind those guys, you've got unsung heroes uh, and Michael uh, Farrell, who's been playing well uh, here late in the season, Tristan Brower. You know, those guys have done a phenomenal job for us uh, as seniors. Um, helping us down the stretch run. Uh, Philip Slee-Trevanian again. I want to ask you, you know, as you know, when you get to the tournament, it's it's one game, anything can happen. Did Buckhorn's win over Pinson Valley surprise you at all, the undefeated Pinson Valley team? Not particularly. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's playoff basketball, and the pressure that you've got to have uh, with that kind of record going into that moment, I, I can only imagine, and, um, you know, uh, Buckhorn is a very talented young team. Um, they're very well coached, and they are very, very good defensively. So with the style that Penson plays uh, mixed with Buckhorn's defensive approach, I could see where that game could have been a struggle for them. Heard maybe uh, you and some of the guys didn't get to watch as much TV as you would have liked the night before the game. Tr fact or fiction? Uh, fact. <laughs> 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 Coach, we appreciate it. How uh, how I, I know you, you guys have been deemed by some as unathletic, but how athletic is Buckhorn? Uh, they're they're athletic. They've got a um, uh, their guy a freshman, a six six freshman, um, who will be the next big thing in the state of Alabama. Um, very similar to Barry Dunning as a freshman. Uh, maybe scores it a little bit better at this point than he did. So. Uh, we're going to face a, a dynamic player and a kid's name that you're going to hear uh, for years to come in the state. Well, I'm sure the new shipment of Skechers is coming and uh, and, and your dentist will be ready. <laughs> I hope so. Hey, uh, Coach, really do appreciate Congratulations on the victory and uh, good luck in Birmingham. All right, thanks. Yep, that's Philip Murphy, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, McGill Tulin basketball coach. Uh, here on WNSP. we got a couple minutes. You guys can jump in. 694-1055 is the number. The big question we've been asking you is, has your opinion changed? Whatever it was to begin with, has it changed on the Brandon Miller situation since uh, Nate Oates and Greg Byrne and, and everybody and lawyer lawyer statements have come out in the last, I guess, 24 hours since you, we've been on the air last. Has your opinion changed? Um, I... I 
Lee, I feel like I feel like it's it's wrapped up just a little too tightly, just too neatly. Like all all everything has been about Brandon Miller and how he didn't do anything wrong, right? Lawyer statements, ADs, presidents, coaches. Uh, it seems like, and maybe he maybe he didn't, but it all goes back to me. It all goes back to how it. How did he not know there was a gun in his car? You know, the app, the app you mentioned. See, that's where I was. That's where I was headed on this. Um, after midnight, you're being texted to bring a gun, and it's not running through your mind that this may lead to something bad. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, the attorney for Brandon Miller issued a release, which you and I have already looked over. And if you read the release, you could understand where Alabama officials probably would feel safe in not suspending or disciplining uh, Brandon Miller. But then again, I raise the point. If this was a player that was on the bench, 8th, ninth, 10th man, would the same hold true? Would discipline been taken against that individual? To me, if you were going to discipline Miller, you'd go back to the incident when it first occurred, when all this stuff wasn't out to begin with. And you would then take a look and say, well, indefinitely we'll suspend until we get more facts. That, yeah. that would seem the way to go. Now, most of the narrative has shifted to Oates and his comments, which I think got him into hot water because he spoke before he should have. And I'm surprised at that because he's a veteran coach. He, I don't know, obviously he's never been in a situation like this, but still, he's not, you know, I mean, he's a school teacher. He, he's been around the block. He's not some rookie coach. I, I've, I said this yesterday, follow what other coaches do. We're waiting for all the details. Don't say anything. Well, I think in his defense, though, if you believe what, everybody, what they had been saying from the get-go was they had all the information. There was no reason to believe that any new information had come out, and so he was at practice or whatever when the trial or the the you know they were in court and all that came out while he and he just didn't know about it. So I was referencing when he said stuff like, "Well, I can't control what they do after practice. I can't be with them all the time. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time." Those statements are what really got him into hot water. All right. So where do you guys stand now? And it, does it is it different than where you were? on this issue before we're going to talk to Paul Feinbaum coming up at seven o'clock uh, specifically about this and much more should mention to Alabama. Um, well, and Brandon Miller say what you want about the kid, but he certainly didn't let it seem to bother him last no. night. Dude dropped 41 and overtime went over South Carolina. Incredible. Wasn't it? I mean, we, we put the game on and I'm like, this guy he started slow, but boy, I, it, obviously if he's not playing yesterday, they're not winning. I mean, they would, South Carolina would have won this game. Uh, Alabama was favored by 17. They barely won in overtime, but 41 points yeah. with all this hanging over his head. Wow. All right. Hour number one of the books. Here comes hour number two. Paul Fonbaum and Brandon Silver, the XFL, are on uh, deck. Play-by-play for the Jags, J.D. Byers, and Mike Rodak, my colleague at AL.com who covers Alabama. They're up in hour number three. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP.
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. All right, 7.04, hour number two. Welcome back in the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. Some of the headlines we have, we certainly want to uh, congratulate the five basketball programs from this area that are going to the Final Four. Uh, McGill-Tulin Boys and Girls, along with uh, Foley Girls, UMS Wright Girls, and also uh, St. Luke's Boys. Uh, They advanced earlier this week. College basketball, Jags, Auburn, and Alabama all won yesterday. Alabama a squeaker. An overtime win over South Carolina. Brandon Miller, 41 points. To that, we bring in Mr. Paul Feinbaum from the SEC Network, ESPN. Paul, thanks for taking time to join us. We certainly have a, a nice little tidy issue for you to talk about. Good morning. Thank you, Mark and Lee. Good morning to everybody. do want to ask you, how do, how you felt Alabama handled the Brandon Miller situation? Did they do it well, or do you think they should have gone to other means? Well, I, I can't uh, say they did it well because it, it seems to many, many people, Lee and Mark, that a lot of this information was known many weeks ago. In fact, NATO alluded to that. So you have to ask the question, why didn't they bring this out then? And, and I think sometimes uh, the answer is confusing, but, but it seems like they, they did not bring all this out then because uh, they were concerned uh, that the jump to the rush to judgment would be that Brandon Miller uh, was a significant party to what happened, and and I think they had to measure. It. I don't mean to be a lawyer here, but you know how how, how dangerous and injurious to his reputation would that be without without all the information? I know that's what I have said a great deal. Maybe I haven't said very much. Uh, but but I, I just have had a difficult time following the timeline, uh, as I'm sure everybody else uh, listening has as well. And, and you know, listen, uh, I, I think the real question isn't whether Brandon Miller should have been charged. I think that's, that's been pretty evident that they, they do not have enough evidence to, to link him. It's whether he should be playing or not. And, and that's... Uh, that that is a that is a judgment call by everyone, uh, and ultimately this is a university decision. This is not a NATO's decision. Yeah, and you you echoed what I said that where I got confused is NATO's back in January said we have all the details, and then at that press conference he said, well, new stuff came to mind. I raised the qu- two questions. Number one. I don't think he should have said anything. He should have said, look, I'm waiting for all the information to be disseminated before I say anything so I don't get myself into hot water. The other thing, too, I raised the question, if this was not Brandon Miller but the 10th, 11th, 12th, or 13th player on the team, do you think they would have taken action disciplinary? Very possibly. but And I think, I think the other question to ask Lee is if this was the – your, your son or daughter, uh, where would they be right now if they were on the periphery of this 
investigation. But I, I don't want to shock anyone here by saying athletes get preferential treatment because that's just part and parcel to what we do every day. Uh, I don't know if that's changed in the time that I've been covering sports or you, Lee, or, or Mark. And, and I, what does concern me a little bit, uh, or maybe a lot, is, is the rush to judgment here. And, and I have seen so many things from around the country, as you guys have, uh, and that, that concerns me because we really uh, – there's no way we can have all the facts. Uh, and, and then there's, there, there's the other side of this. Well, uh, and I read something today. Well, you know, you, you have to give it to, to Greg Byrne and the University of Alabama because they know a whole lot more than we do. Well, of course they do, but that doesn't mean they're, they're doing it correctly. Uh, we have every right to, to question and to challenge and, and to opine. I, I don't think we have the right to just go ahead and assume – things that none of us really know. And I, I think that's what the public and especially the media has done so far. Paul Feinbaum's our guest here on WNSP. Follow him on Twitter at Feinbaum. I think one of the things that I seem to que- I question about this whole story is they're just from, from the Alabama perspective, whether it's the university or whether it's a lawyer, they, it just seems like it, they, there's an answer for everything when it comes to Brandon Miller. And it may be that it's because that's exactly how it happened. Right. But it's kind of like, uh, well, he texted Brandon Miller. Well, Brandon Miller was already on the way. Well, uh, there was a gun in the car. Well, it was legal, and he didn't know it was there. And, you know, he blocked the he blocked the, the car when he got there. No, he was down the street. Like, it, it just seems like every it just seems like everything has been so conveniently defended. Um, and maybe it's because that's exactly how it went down, but I can't help but question just how it just seems so I, I keep using the word convenient. It just seems so um, – I don't, I don't even know what the word is. I, it just – I think you said it earlier, neat and tidy. Yeah, it, it, everything just seems to be wrapped up in a nice little bow for, for Brandon Miller. And, well, and it well, might. Mark, how many times have you watched a movie or read a book about a, a murder or mystery or, or some type of criminal activity – and defense lawyers always tell people, don't, don't talk to the police. That's because the first, and I, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason, the first statement you give, you, you are married to it. So what, what you heard yesterday from Greg Byrne and what you heard from the defense attorney for Brandon Miller, they are filling in the gaps to, to make their client look better. Uh, and that's where they are right now because Alabama has lost control of this story, if you follow me. And and I think the real question is, should they have gotten all this out in the open? I, I, well, I want to say yes, but here's the danger, okay? If they, had, if they had told us on day one that Brandon Miller – if they had told us on day one what, what they alluded to yesterday, then Brandon Miller would have been the story. Uh, and, and, I, and, and, and a lot of damage would have been done. From day one, I'm not saying damage. What it hasn't been done now, it has. A lot of damage has been done to him, but uh, I, I think they were con- they were trying to protect him uh, versus tell the story of what really happened. And 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 and, and I think that therein lies the question: What do what are what are we owed as a public? And and I, I don't know what the answer is. All right, so. With all that said, how, how does what's how does this story get advanced, or does this story advance at all? Well, I think what we saw yesterday is going to is going to sit for for, for a considerable amount of time in terms of the legality of it. But one thing that is not going away is the story, uh, and, and 
Brandon Miller helped make the story bigger last night by hitting the game winner, if you, if you follow yeah. me from a media standpoint. And the, the big concern I think Alabama has, I mean, do I think Alabama has handled this very well? No. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody would, would think that. Uh, they, they should have figured this thing out earlier. That, for, 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 for Greg Byrne to say yesterday that, that Nate Oates didn't have all the facts when he had his press conference, well, then why have a press conference? Um, Nate Oates has done plenty of interviews, as you guys know, and I know, uh, without talking about this. He didn't have to talk about it yesterday. I realize he was asked the question. Uh, I'm talking about on Tuesday. All he had to say was, listen, we're, you know, we've, been, we've been advised not to discuss it. But who, who's going to challenge that with a legal matter involving right. uh, the severity uh, of this situation? Uh, but he chose, to, he, cho- he chose to address it. Uh, and he addressed it poorly. Uh, I mean, that, that's not even a, 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 an apt description. Uh, it, it was he, he addressed it. I mean, his answer you know speaks for itself. But as this as Alabama, as we get to the to the SEC tournament in two weeks, and then the NCAA term, the story becomes bigger, and it reaches a, a zenith if Alabama is in the Final Four, which they will be predicted to be. And as many have pointed out, the locker rooms are open. What is what's Brandon Miller going to do? Is he going to sit there and not talk about this? Uh, is he going to have a lawyer sitting next to him? Uh, the you know it's already a big national story, uh, guys. I mean, you know that it led it led Sports Center last night. It will be on all morning uh, today. Uh, you can you can guarantee that. So it's just. It's going to keep getting bigger, and Alabama hasn't helped the cause at all by its uh, by its sloppy uh, managing of the story. Paul Feinbaum on the show with us right now. Paul, let me ask you this: If you were going to suspend or discipline Brandon Miller, what grounds would you suggest? I mean, where where from what angle would it come from now? Because you had the prosecutors say no charges, this and that, but there's also university policy which perhaps could have been uh, a a reason for it. If you look at this, as many have basically texted me, how come he's playing and so forth. So I'll ask again, what grounds? Well, I think it's really a university situation right now. And I had a professor call me, uh, actually a a guy who was an administrator called me last night and said that uh, situations like this would normally be called in front of the uh, student judicial board. Uh, but that's not going to happen here. Um, and Brandon Miller only has a, 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 a four-week shelf life remaining at Alabama. It's not like uh, he's he's trying to you know maintain his his status for next for the next quarter. Uh, he's, he, you think he's going to be around there after the last basketball net is cut down this year? No. So <laughs> the real question is, you know, is is there a double standard? Well, uh, yeah, of course there, there's always there's a, there's a double standard in junior high guys. You you know that. When it comes to athletes, and and I and I th- I mean as much as it pains me to agree with the status quo, I think Alabama's uh, Alabama doing nothing probably turned out to be the right decision for them. I I just think first of all I you said it and I said this yesterday, NATO should have just said nothing, just say we're looking yeah. into the facts, and then but then I go back to January fourteenth when he said we have all the facts. If there was to be discipline, don't you think it would have been done then and not now? Well, it, well, it, it would be unfair to do it now because uh, if he said he had all the facts, and, and by the way, Lee, what facts could uh, – I mean, he may not have had the detail 
then that he does now. But is, if, if you have a player, and here's the thing that everybody has forgotten. Miles was on the team uh, at the moment that this all happened. It wasn't, I mean, we talk about him like he's, he's, he had nothing to do with it. He, he was not part. He was part of the team that morning. Uh, he may have been out for the season, but he was still part of the team. He was on the bench at the, at the, at the, at the game before the, uh, the incident happened. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I think that's when, that's when you have to do something. You can't, I, I don't like after the fact. I, I think a lot of people would have been satisfied, Lee, if, uh, if, if he had been suspended uh, yesterday for yesterday's game. And then everyone would say, well, he's been disciplined. I mean, that's not, that's not fair either. Uh, he, he was obviously given the green light to keep playing, and, and, and he did. And, and, to, and to his credit, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. With all this attention, uh, I mean, he, he looked like he played pretty well. I mean, he was able to – I mean, that, that, I, I'm not praising him for that uh, I, because there, there are no winners here. I mean, we, I'll, I'll spare you the fact that, that, that a woman lost her life. I mean, everyone knows that already. Uh, but – yeah, I, I just, I, I just am always amazed at how how poor these universities handle things. Uh, and Greg Byrne, uh, yesterday, what uh, five weeks into this, he decided to speak out. Where, where, where has he been? Yeah, and the South Carolina crowd gave it to to Brandon Miller. And I'm, I, I'm assuming it's only going to get worse as the as the season progresses. Yeah, I, I think I th- there, there's for, forgetting all the judgment calls. The story. Is, is going this has now become the story of, of, of the college basketball season yeah and and, and 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 Brandon Miller and the University of Alabama cannot escape that and and, and that's really what we're talking about here uh, yeah at, at a moment in time that is very likely Alabama's greatest moment in the history of its basketball program it, it, it has one it has a dark cloud over it I, I'm not trying to you know, paint pictures here uh, with, with great literature because it's not. But that, that is the, those are the facts. Uh, and, and, and all the people that want to jump to conclusions and, and say that Nate Oates is this and Brandon Miller is that, that, that that's not going to uh, scrape away the, the stigma of, of this story. Uh, who's right, who's wrong? Uh, Alabama is stuck with this story the rest of the basketball season. And, and, and in many people's eyes, regardless of what, whatever they do, uh, it's going to be tainted by, by this incident. Paul, uh, I think in a WNSP first, we had you on, and not once did we bring up the, the sport football. So we'll leave it at that. We set a record. We appreciate the time, as always. Uh, never a dull moment, and we'll be in touch. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be on. Yep. That's Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, traffic and weather? Eh, I guess we'll have to skip the scoreboard till 8.15. Yeah. At 724, welcome back in. The opening kickoff will take your phone calls at 694-1055. By the way, uh, if you're making calls, make sure you call my guy, Aiden Marks, over at Medicare Insurance Advisors. He's been in the Medicare business for more than 13 years, and he can help you guys uh, with any questions you might have. If you're coming up on the age of 65 or you're within a year of retirement, give him a call. He's helped hundreds just like you in Mobile, Baldwin Counties. Uh, so if you're new to the area or if you're getting ready to retire, if you're confused, tired of nonstop solicitation calls, or if you need a local agent, 
Aid Marks can answer all those questions for you. Give them a call, 463-0031. That's 463-0031. Or go see him at his office in Daphne on Highway 98 across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. Aid Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. You know, Mark, when uh, and this can get uh, Nick involved, uh, we talked about the NBA All-Star Game. And, you know, pretty much the criticism was prevalent among talk show hosts. None more so than the coach of the West team, uh, Malone, who just ripped the game and said what an awful game it was. But the follow-up to this, TV ratings for the NBA All-Star game hit a record low. The least watched game in history of the NBA All-Star game. It was lower than the NFL skills competition. It was lower than the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. So I guess, Nick, and I know you talked about the fact that you got off of it early. What can be done to make it, obviously, a better product? Um, well, you got to have you, you got to have competition. That's 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 the biggest thing. And that's not something the NBA as a as an organization or as a league can um can help with it, it. It's up to the players to take some pride in the game. And then somehow it's not a, it's easy, not an easy fix. You got to somehow convince fans that there's competition there. Uh, the NFL is dealing with the same thing. It isn't an NBA problem. It, it's, it's a professional sports league problem. These, these all-star weekends. Um, I mean, look what major league baseball did for a while there with the winner getting, Home field advantage, like uh, people are trying all sorts of different things. I, 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 just, I just think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a league issue. Um, it's a professional athlete issue. It's not necessarily an NBA issue. Well, I think the NBA does have a major issue, and I was listening to some of the other uh, talk shows, and this load management is becoming more and more of a problem. Not seeing the stars out there, players sitting out, not because they're injured or hurt, but because they just want to rest. And I think that is a an issue. Now, the NBA, prior to Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, had major, major issues. I mean, they couldn't even get their games on. They couldn't even get the championship games on uh, live TV. It had to be taped and things like that. But, you know, with the advent of, of players like Magic and Bird and then Michael Jordan, things got a lot better. It became a global game. But now uh, Adam Silver somehow, some way, has to deal with this load management crap that's going on because players just want to – they don't want to play. And do you cut the schedule back? But if you do that, Mark, if you cut the schedule back, uh, you then – you have all these other people that are affected, the people who work the uh, the, the game. You the, you know it comes out of their pocket. Uh, it's you know the, the the ushers, the the vendors, and things like that. So if you want to cut the schedule down, that's fine. But then you're going to affect a whole bunch of other people too. So I I don't have a solution right now for it. You can't mandate a player to play if he doesn't want to play. The only incentive is money. But they're also making so much money now. Big deal. You said. Oh, I did? Erase that. Take that away. Nick, how are you this morning, sir? Good morning, guys. Hey. Uh, nice to uh, hear you and see you, Mark. Nice Congrats to be seen. on uh, your yellow jackets. That's exciting. How about that? Headed to the Final Four. Um, but with the load management, All-Star Weekend, all that, there's one simple fix, people. And you can hear about it next, Noam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
can you look, man? The players are just living in the reality as best they can that we, the fans, have created. We tell them nothing matters except winning a ring. So what are they going to do? Try and be as rested up and as healthy as they can for when it comes time to play for that ring. This is what you people wanted. Everyone who said, oh, LeBron, no ring right back in the day. This is the reality that you all have created. I hope you're happy. Are you happy, Mark? Yeah. The okay. NBA should send out a statement. It's not our fault. It's your fault. Yeah. Every time you point a finger at somebody, you got three pointing back at you, people. <laughs> Brandon Silver's next. Stay with us. The opening kickoff. The opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. All right, uh, right here on the sports station. What, what happened to my Chick Fil A lead-in? Wait, we sleeping on the job here? I think this is what happens when you let him talk. Yeah, thanks. Good job. There. That, that's that's my fault. That's All my right. Oh, it's on you then. You were in there bothering. I could him. eat you seven times a day. Come on, keep going. Something about where the children play. Very good. Oh, I'm in love. With Chick, with Chick Fil A. Okay, what do you got? All right. Uh, as we lead into Brandon Silver, the quarterback for Houston in the XFL, I want you to name the quarterback who threw the first touchdown pass last weekend in the very first XFL game. He is the same quarterback who threw the first touchdown pass in last spring's USFL spring game. Okay. How about that? How about that? So he opened up the USFL with a touchdown pass, and he also opened up XFL with a touchdown pass. If you know the answer, call Nick, 694-1055. And I think we're ready to talk to Brandon Silver, the former Gulf Shores quarterback, who is now a member of the Houston team and did very, very well. Brandon, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Brandon, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Sorry, Wonderful. My so let me ask you, uh, you, how many spring leagues now have you play, played in now? Uh, I played in the Alliance of American Football. I played in the first or second XFL. And I played in the spring league for a couple games. And then now I'm back in the XFL 3.0. You, you, I'll tell you, down the road, you could write a book and some of the experiences, right? Are you playing football now because you still enjoy it, or are you just hoping that maybe this will get you a shot to an NFL team? Uh, kind of both. Um, you know, I still enjoy it. Uh, you know, the last XFL got cut off because of COVID, and that, took, you know, I wasn't in the best position out there in Seattle. So, I, you know, I just wanted to get back to playing football and playing, you know, you know, it's and just keep playing, honestly, and having a good time. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to get hit every day in practice like some of the guys, so it's not that bad. We're talking with Brandon Silver. Hey, the Houston Texans need a quarterback. I hope they're paying attention, right? Yeah, hopefully. You know, hopefully the whole league's, you know, looking out. You know, I know a lot of guys are trying to get back to the league. Uh, for me, it's just, you know, worrying about my job on a daily basis and just getting to be able to go play balls 
brand, brand new bunch of guys and just having fun. Do you guys like practice every day? Is this like being in an NFL camp where you work out every day and go through game plans and meetings and everything like that? Is everything pretty similar? Yeah, it's, it's the exact same. Uh, we actually share the uh, old Ranger Stadium now called Choctaw Stadium where the Arlington team plays. We actually share that stadium with them doing our meetings, our workouts, and our lunch and stuff like that. So we got them Sunday night, so it's been a little awkward this week. Talking with Brandon Silver. Brandon, the some of the new rules came into existence. We got a chance to watch him with the 4th and 15 and going for three points or whatever. Which which rule or rules did you like, would like to see maybe the NFL adopt? Uh, I think they're looking at the kickoff. Uh, I think I think the XFL and NFL partnered on rules like that just to kind of test them out. And, uh, you know, it just keeps the game interesting. You know, St. Louis didn't have nothing going for the first, you know, 58 minutes in that game the other day against uh, San Antonio. And they came back and won, you know, by three. And they were down by 12. So, you know, just – that was just a crazy ending of the game, but, you know, if you're up by 18, it's still only a two-score game with that three-point extra point. Brandon Markheim, thanks for jumping aboard with us. Man, you threw the ball 42 times last week. Did you expect that number to be that high going in? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, you know, I'm in, back in the run-and-shoot offense. I was in the, the spring league, and you know, with some air raid stuff I did at Troy, so... No, yeah, I expected it for sure. Uh, we didn't get many run plays, I'll say that. So, uh, <laughs> the Seattle team has the same offense we have, and they threw you know 55 times. So, you know. So, you, so you uh, have a yeah, little catching up to do every week. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so which I, I got to believe that the 46-yard touchdown pass was probably a little bit more rewarding than the 13-yard touchdown pass. Yes. Yes, for sure. And and the 46 one was a dummy call, and they jumped offside, so we ran all vertical. So uh, we actually, you know, obviously we practiced that play, but, uh, you know, when that happens on a free play like that, it's even better. Brandon Silver, our guest, uh, he's with Houston. So I think, do you have the late game on Sunday this week? Yeah, we play uh, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. I think it's been kind of neat when you eventually take on St. Louis. We'll have the two local quarterbacks, A.J. on one team and you being on the other. Yeah, we played them at home this year, so we don't have to go to the Dome, which I'm sure is going to be loud again. Uh, we played there back in 2020, and it was pretty loud. Um, so, yeah, we played them on a uh, Saturday afternoon, I believe. Um, played them. Yeah, we played them April 1st. On uh, on a Saturday at two o'clock on ESPN two, so that'll be a good one. So what? I ended up training with I trained with AJ down in Mobile at uh, QB Country with David Morris. So what's the atmosphere like around? Let's say you've had one game. Is it that much different than in other spring games that you've played in? Uh, was the Rock? Did he deliver a speech at your game like he does at many of these venues? Yeah, he didn't deliver a speech at our game, but he was there walking around. Um, obviously, he went to every game, but he was there walking around. Like, you can just feel the atmosphere. You know, I played in the Spring League with no fans, and I've also played in the Alliance League where there, we didn't have many there. So, you can just feel, like, you know, an ESPN's there. Um, you can just feel the excitement around, you know, the city and, you know, definitely around the stadium. So this one just feels different, right? This time around, from from a from a league or an organization standpoint, it just feels different. 
I, yeah, I just feel like it's promoted very well. Um, and if you if you guys are staying on ESPN, you're watching the XFL commercials. You know, they got a show going on. Um, you know, the last XFL, you know, a lot of people showed up to those games out in Seattle as well. Um, you just you just felt like a, you know that's why I wanted to play in the XFL again um, in the right in the right position and just so I knew what it could be. You know, obviously COVID killed that. Um, so you know, I just wanted to have a you know second round of it and you know go from there. Has any NFL team given you a tryout yet? I've had some over the years, but since COVID gone on, I haven't really you know I haven't had any tryouts since COVID. They kind of had a bunch of rules and stuff like that, but. Um, so I just been focused on this XFL season. Could the could the Rock suit up and play this weekend if you if if he wanted to? Would he be capable of doing it? Uh, you know I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's that's a good question. I don't know. They got some big dudes on the. Uh, you know, they, we got some big dudes in this league too. So you know that would be, that would be pretty cool. It'd be a little. Maybe you can go to practice with no cameras. How about that? <laughs> and if you saw him coming, my guess is you just sidestep him, right? He's been out of the game for a while now, right? I mean, he can give you that yeah, smoldering look. But Hopefully we have a big old lineman on him and uh, you know, maybe a little get a chip from the uh, running back. So uh, we already I brought up about the rules and everything. I, I, I liked your thing on the kickoff. What about the fourth and 15 uh, on the onside kick? Would you favor that? Yeah, we, I think we had that rule in the last one. Um, I think it was fourth and twelve then. Now it's fourth and fifteen. Um, yeah, you know it's only like in the fourth quarter when you're down, so it can't like ain't like you can do it every time. But you know, it's, it's just different. It's like a different type of football. It's different rules. Um, you know, obviously you don't have a, a regular kickoff, so you can't do a regular onside kick. So you know, it's just different. You know, I feel bad for the kicker sometimes. Maybe they don't get the kick till like at the end of the game, and then you got to make the field goal. So. It's not like they can get warmed up with an extra point. So, you know, I was talking to one of the quarterbacks about that yesterday. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just different. You know, different football makes it fun, makes it different. So, it's all good with me. So, let me ask you this. Uh, on your first game, which you won, so on the extra points, what did you guys go for? The two, the threes, or whatever? I went, we put in the uh, more mobile of a quarterback uh, for the two-point conversion. So, I think we uh, went with the two-pointers. And then a couple one, so you know I think uh, we'll, we'll see what happens this week. Uh, we actually didn't make one, so you know sometimes you just wish you can just get off the field and kick the extra point. But you know that's what you, this is what you got to do. So Brandon, before we let you go, I, you may have already seen this, but according to the XFL, their news hub, you know they've ranked quarterbacks uh, after week one. You are now ranked number two in the league according to their latest ranking after being a preseason ranking number seven. How about that? Yeah, hey, good one week, and I left a lot of yards and you know a couple touchdowns off out there on the field as well. So you know, I only can get better from that. Um, so you know, hopefully this week take care of the ball better and uh, you know have another win. Well, I, w- I won't tell you who's number one, but I can tell you that maybe your defense might have something to say about where you where your ranking winds up after this weekend. How about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's probably a buddy of mine, too. Yeah, me, he you might know. be. He might be. Hey, congratu- yeah. congratulations on all the success, man. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch, and, and we wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yep. That's Brandon Silvers, ladies and gentlemen. Ranked number two, according to their, uh, I guess, their quarterback power pole or whatever it's called um yeah aj's number one but 
Brandon made quite the jump from number seven in the preseason. Did we get a winner yet on the Chick-fil-A question? We did not. So it sounds like I'm the big winner. One, one more time. Oh. Name the quarterback that threw the first touchdown pass when the XFL opened up its season last weekend. And he is the same quarterback who threw the first touchdown pass in the USFL opener last spring. Okay. By the way, how's uh, how's the whole no meat thing going for you, Nick? It's been a minute since I've seen you. We still we still going strong there? Yeah, man, it's going well. Uh, I had a little cheat meal yesterday. I went and got an Impossible Whopper. So it's a it's a plant patty. Oh, well, that doesn't count. That's not a cheat. It kind of counts in my in my head. Um, <laughs> it was pretty good though. Not gonna lie. Why would I ever go back to eating regular hamburgers now? Uh, I can think of a the couple plant, reasons. But the plant patties are where it's at, people. Now, yeah. the um, the health and stuff, it's not like that's not healthy. That's why I said it was like a cheat, but it's still not meat. Right. That rhymes. Good for you. All right. Well, we'll see if we can get a Chick-fil-A winner here and go to break. Uh, and if we don't, it looks like, uh, well, Nick won't get it because he won't need it. Uh, we come back, we'll open up the phones for you guys, 694-1055. J.D. Byerson joins us at 8 o'clock. Mike Rodak, my colleague over at AL.com, he covers Brandon Miller. We'll get the latest from him at 8.30. Wrapping up hour number two next, right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. I'm told Joe Prunty, their assistant coach, he will be taking over as the interim head coach, but they're going to start a coaching search immediately. And, and this has really been a long time coming. We've been discussing the inner workings and the dynamics that have taken place in Atlanta for the last several months. It really started when there was an, uh, an exchange between Trey Young and Nate McMillan ahead of a pregame shoot-around. Um, where... 7.48. Welcome back in. Uh, congratulations, Chris. Got the answer to your question, Lee. Luis Perez was the quarterback who opened up the XFL with a touchdown pass and accomplished that same feat with the USFL last year. So back-to-back performances for opening game quarterback touchdown passes. It is Perez and Chris. Congratulations. A little Chick-fil-A. Compliments of WNSP. How about that? Hey, I uh, was reading a story about uh, Tua, uh, the Miami Dolphins quarterback, where he's trying to obviously improve, uh, well, to avoid these concussions. And what he's doing now, he's taking judo. He, uh, he found out through an instructor that by taking judo, and there's another term for it that I, I, I'm not aware of, that it can help you learn how to fall properly. And that's been one of the gripes about Tua is that when he is tackled, he has a tendency where he's always, his helmet's always crashing into the turf. So in judo, according to the story, they're teaching him how to fall properly 
so that he's not getting hit on the head all the time. So hopefully it'll work out, and uh, maybe he can go through a season unscathed. I'm wondering why you would need judo for that. It seems like there would well, be a number I was, of other disciplines yeah. that you could take in order to learn how to fall correctly. That was one of the like stories that came, yeah. came out last year that when Tua was – the way he throws the football, he's always in a position where when he's tackled, he's always getting, well, smacked to the ground basically – and that's been one of his issues and one of his problems. So I don't know if it's the footwork or – but according to the story I was reading yesterday, Mark, that the the instructor, that's one of the things they start out by teaching you how to fall properly after in, in judo. Well, what if you've been kicked in the head or something or kicked in the gut and you double over? It seems like in, in, in any fight – there's only so much you can control, and if you're getting your ass kicked, <laughs> maybe how you fall really isn't up to you. I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying. Well, you know, it's like uh, it's like skiing, you know, snow skiing. I don't know if you ever did that, but I did. And you, there was always, like, to me, how to fall properly so that right. you wouldn't go crashing into a tree or something like that, and you would know how to fall. And that's one of the things I learned how to do was to properly fall uh, so that you wouldn't really get hurt. Now, not a lot of people, you know, do that or take pride in doing that because a lot of people go out that with this macho, like, I don't want to fall. Like, that that's the whole thing. If you fall, it, it's an embarrassment. No, it's not. You know, it's, you might get the kind of snow you run into, slush or something like that. So, and, you know, knowing how to do a simple sl- a snow plow can come in you handy. What, you show me film of you falling skiing, and I'll be the judge of whether or not it's embarrassing, Okay. I'm afraid uh, those days are gone. My dad used to take the, uh, he'd take, well, the old movie cameras. Right. Old eight millimeter. Yeah, he used to do that when yeah. we'd be out on the slopes. But I don't, uh, they're not around anymore. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know how to show them anyway because we don't have a projector. Right. And and did you take any judo training before the ski trip? Or? No. I actually, when I was in Pensacola, though, and a, and a good friend of mine, he was like a TV cameraman. He had lessons on Taekwondo, and I actually signed up. I took about a week's worth. I wish I had stayed with it, but yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I got out of it after a week. I should have stayed with you it. You should have. That would have been awesome. Kick and all that, but no, I didn't stay long enough. Huh. I didn't graduate. Mm, that's unfortunate. So what you're saying is that Tua could have taken judo or skiing lessons, and both would have helped him follow the proper way. I'm not even aware of how judo helps you fall because i don't know enough about it like i said i only took a week of martial arts so i we didn't we really never got to that point i it never became an issue <laughs> you were absent the day I they just reminded me judo. yeah right it, it's just i just remember those skiing because you know it's a, it can be dangerous and if you don't know how to fall properly you can be in big big trouble and some people unfortunately wind up stopping by hitting trees and things like that because they don't know how to snow plow or how to you know fall and because they're some are embarrassed, like, you know, oh, gosh, I'm not a good skier if I fall. Well, that's not, the, that's not true. Let's take a phone call. Go ahead, caller. Welcome to WNSP. Hey, how you doing this morning, Lee and Mark? We're doing great. How about you? Hey, I wanted to – I called in and I heard about that, the young man from Alabama that's supposed to be uh, – his friend called him and gave him that gun and end up the gun and he ended up using to kill that girl – if that the case, he needs to be charged because I, I'm a law enforcement retiree, and uh, and if he did that, I don't care how good he is, 
he need to have some kind of consequences to do some foolishness like that to cause a young lady to be dead. That's that just sick. He he needs he don't need to be playing ball no more. I don't care about the national championship if they get in there or not. He needs to be off the team. And they need to discipline that coach because he should have been bought that thing to the forefront. That's all I got to say, sir. Y'all have a blessed day. I'm sure there's others who feel the same way. The the pro, going back in the wording again, the prosecutor when they issued the statement about why he's not being charged, and I'm talking about Brendan Miller, because they claim it, it's difficult to prove intent, and they're saying the transition of the gun, that there was no intent on Brandon. Now, this is what they released, not what I'm talking about. They said they there was no intent on Brandon Miller's part that he wasn't aware what this gun was going to be used for, what the consequences were going to be. Now, you can buy into that, or you can take a look at what our just our, our listener just said, that just the fact that he was there and that there was a gun involved and— the aftermath, you know, maybe there's something to that. Everybody's got a different opinion about something like that. But that's what the prosecuting office, uh, office in Tuscaloosa with their release as to why he's not being charged. Yeah, and this is where – and we're going to talk about two separate things here, right? So when you're talking about intent in that, in, in that regard, this is where I have a problem with that. And this is why, you know, we probably need to get a lawyer on to kind of explain the differences. But what's the – couldn't you what if you run a red light and hit somebody i mean it wasn't your intent to hit somebody right that's why they call it involuntary whatever manslaughter manslaughter or whatever it is whenever you're talking about i don't i don't just because just because you didn't mean to do something doesn't doesn't mean you're not still liable right that's where i get and 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 I only bring that up, and I say it's two different things because now there's also this whole, this whole narrative that uh, Miller didn't know the gun was in the car, like he didn't know it was there, like he was texted to say, "Hey, I need my gun," but he was already on the way to go pick this guy up anyway. And then when he got there, he didn't touch the gun. Dude went in the back of the car to get the gun because apparently Brandon Miller didn't even know it was there. That's where I have a problem too. See, this is in in. So I know we're we're going on a bunch of different tangents here, but I, I've been saying this all day. I, I feel like this has just been wrapped up with a nice little bow, kind of like all the all the questions have been kind of tried, like answered for for Brandon Miller. Like it just seems it they've got an answer for everything. Well, he got the text after he was on the way. Well, he didn't know the gun was there. Uh, he didn't touch the gun. He didn't park in this spot. He parked in that spot. He didn't block anybody. He didn't talk to anybody. Like it, it, it seems to be like all hands on deck to clear Brandon Miller and, of any wrongdoing. Yeah. And maybe that's the case. Yeah. It, but, you know, I'm not saying anybody's lying. I'm just saying it, you can't help but wonder why all these different entities are out there. And the other train of thought is you're in the middle of the morning, I guess. I don't know what time exactly, but it's after midnight. Somebody's texting you for a gun. What 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 does, doesn't anything run through your mind? Like why? What do you want it for? Right. What do you, what do you what do you what are you after at this hour? Okay. What what why should I mean he was I know he was going I guess he I guess, who knows but I I guess he thought he was going to give him a ride home or something like that. But then when you get a text, hey, bring me my gun. Yeah. For what? Yeah. What do we have a what we'll, we'll go out and shoot cans off a fence or something? At this hour of the night, for what? 
you wouldn't question that or ask, you know, when he gets in the car, hey, uh, Darius, what are we doing here? What, what, I'm supposed to give you a ride home? Come on. What do you need a gun for? Um, all right. So we will continue to talk about it. Uh, Brick in the app. What was Miller supposed to do? Withhold his property? Uh, yeah. I've, yeah. I Tell mean, them to get it. asking that they need their gun. Yeah, you could just say, look, I'm on my way home. Take an Uber. I don't know about all that. But. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't have an app but on he his didn't phone. See, so the question is, did he see the text? Yeah, he had he, to have seen the text, yes, right? Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to drive and read texts, though, right? <laughs> Yeah, maybe they'll get one on moving <laughs> right. violation. So, like... but, but everybody's saying he was on the way. Like, that dismisses it. Like, that's not the reason he was going there just to give him the gun. But he didn't have to go, right? That's part of the story that nobody's talking about. That he saw the text and dude was like, bring him the gun. And the, the defense is, well, he was already on the way. We'll get into it now, number three. J.D. Byers, he'll join us next. Mike Rodak, my colleague over at AL.com, he covers Alabama. He's going to join us at 8.30 on this very topic. Marcus, if I call you at 1 in the morning and ask you to bring my, my swimsuit, what do you think I'm going to do? Go swimming? Learn how to fall? <laughs> I don't know. Stay with us. Hour number three is next. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. 8.04, welcome in our number three. Three. It's the uh, opening kickoff. Um, someone in the app, Lee, you don't know that he needed the gun. The text simply said, "Bring me my gun." Yeah, that's that's. A, uh, I think that happens a all the time, doesn't it? Or, you know, yeah. in the early one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, you're always texting me stuff like that. At that point, Miller knows nothing except the that the owner of the gun wanted it back. He returned it. Everything else is assumption. Yeah, it's not like returning a library book. Yeah. All right, some of the headlines we have. Uh, a Las Vegas grand jury is indicted. Saints running back Alvin Kamara, Bengal defensive back Chris Lamming, and two others in the alleged beating of an individual last February. We got five pro basketball teams from this area that are going to Birmingham for the final four next week, starting with St. Luke's on Monday. And then you've also got uh, McGill, Tulin, girls and boys, Foley girls, and UMS Wright girls. Uh, a good night of basketball for the teams that we follow. Alabama won, Auburn won, and South Alabama won. And to that, we bring in the voice of uh, South Alabama sports, uh, J.D. Byers. J.D., welcome to the opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? I'm splendid. How are you guys? Doing wonderful. Uh, there's a couple of topics I want to get to. Let's get to the basketball team because there's only one regular season game left to go, a televised game tomorrow night against Louisiana. Team went on the road, beat Texas State. They've won five in a row. Eight of the last nine. What's been uh, basically responsible for the big turnaround for the uh, Jags? You, you know, you can you can 
point a lot of places um, you go into the season and there there is a really a rebuilt team personnel wise and I keep looking back at that non-conference schedule a lot of folks say well it's hard to judge a team you know until they get into conference play they win the opener against Mobile Lee and then they proceed to only win two of their next eight but somehow that chemistry starts to build and there becomes more trust I think Richie Riley agrees that you know, top to bottom of that lineup and whatever rotation or chemistry happens to be in there, there's more trust in the execution. And now there's more consistent play from the seven-foot big man, Kevin Samuel, and also a lot of trust from you know the point guard, the newcomer out of Division II, Isaiah Moore, that he's dishing it more often. Uh, when he gets in the paint, he's not trying to score and get to the rim every time. And that is all equal success, and you just got to be proud for the way they're playing their best basketball right now going into the conference tournament. So that's where I wanted to go next. Where, where does it look like they'll be seated? When does this get underway, and, and what are the particulars for the upcoming Sunbelt Conference tournament? Well, you know, in the Pensacola Bay Center, um, I think it's going into its third year as hosting. used to be over there at the Lakefront Arena in New Orleans. And, and it's just so hard to say. Uh exactly where but the good news for South Alabama is they moved up from you know towards the basement bottom three bottom four and all of a sudden the shuffling and the impact South Alabama's had on everybody else going into the seating I don't think you're going to see maybe a, a first or second round bye by any chance but but obviously shaking it up and uh, we'll get one of the lower seeds just from what they've been doing and I, I think they're the hottest team in the conference right now I, I, you know Marshall I think is probably the strongest and most consistent overall South Alabama's equity and momentum going into the postseason is just really admirable. Yeah, Southern Miss was one of the hot teams at least a couple of weeks ago. I know they got beat last night by Old Dominion and South Alabama beat them pretty bad last week and for a while there they looked like the team to beat. No no doubt. Um, they, they come into our place and I looked at metrics, I looked at stats and you know, not even looking at them coming off the bus, I'm thinking, man, this is not going to be a good night. But then they got off the bus, they come in, and they start to warm up, and I'm like, well, where's their length? I, I don't really see, you know, big post presence. And so they're, they just don't match up, I think, against guys or teams that have really physical inside men. And when Kevin Samuel's getting it done on both ends of the floor, he's going to go and get his double-digit rebounds. A program that can endure that but hold him off the offensive end usually has a pretty good chance. I mean, they're going to be in the game. But when he's getting it done on both ends like he did against Southern Miss, I think that single game really unmasked them, started to show some things that would work. And I think that may have been to the, to the detriment of the Golden Eagles that all the teams that will be facing them, uh, even in Pensacola, are trying to or recognizing you know, how to give them their kryptonite. J.D. Byers is the voice of South Alabama Sports. I wanted to ask you, as we go to football, uh, there are recommendations out there about speeding up the game. Uh, that's what they're saying. And in one in particular is uh, after an incomplete pass, you keep the clock running unless there's less than two minutes to go. There's a few others, too. There's about four clock management uh, yeah. recommendations. I wanted to get your take on that. Do you feel, first of all, the game needs this where the name the game needs to be speeded up i know some games go three hours 30 minutes but i like to get your feeling as a broadcaster on these games would you welcome uh these clock changes yeah i mean i could have some selfish reasons but it, at the end of the day it's about the players and it's about like they say in these rules that are being proposed 
uh, it's about safety and the game length. And I think they go hand in hand. Uh, and, and like you said, they're being uh, – they want to implement the fall, but they also say these are several weeks from approval. Um, and I like the fact on the untimed downs um, at the end of the second, third quarter. I think everybody likes that. It's There's no use in, in playing one extra untimed down when you're about to turn around after a commercial break and still play football. You're not at the end of a half. Why not do that? The clock running after a first down, I've noticed as far as trying to speed the game up, very seldom are the chains already set these days when the referees put it in play and they're snapping it. As long as the down marker's there, you've established a new line of scrimmage. Uh, what happens if there's a replay, though, and all of a sudden maybe that pass wasn't complete and you got the down marker guy downfield trying to hustle up and hasten the game, I guess that could backfire. Uh, and what do you do on a big play, like a 45 or 50-yarder? and you're trying to get downfield, that's a whole lot of people, not just the 22 playing, but the officials, the chain crew, the down marker. Um, I like it from this perspective, though. There are so many plays in games nowadays because everybody's running some form of the spread. Is We've now added you know, 30% more plays. I just think that does indeed lend to uh, vulnerability for every player being out there. The more plays, there's going to be the more injuries. If you go to the clock running, it almost takes you back to the total number of plays, you know, when we were running the football out of a straight eye, uh, out of a double wing, out of a wishbone in the uh, early 80s, late 70s. Because a lot of these plays are intermediate and have the same outcome as an option or a toss sweep that we used to have, and it kind of gets it back to that. Uh, a lot of offensive coordinators are probably going to be upset because they like to script and they like to have opportunities. They like to keep their offense out there and keep the other team's defense off the field. I think those who adapt to that in the long run will have some success. But I like these four. I think these have been a long time coming and deserve you know some careful implementation. I was kind of wondering, why don't they do like baseball? And baseball puts it in single A and works it up, sees how it works before they may put it in the major league. Why, why not maybe D3 and some D2 as maybe a beta test on this? And, and these are four. But if they want to go player safety, I've, I've got some of my own, and maybe that's for another day league. For sure. Hey, before I let you go, uh, you, you have the series, baseball series, Nebraska comes to Mobile to take on the Jags, a three-game set. Just want to give us a preview of this series coming up Friday? Yeah, you know, some stars emerging for South Alabama, especially offensively. It's fun to watch uh, Will Turner, Eric Orbeta. There's a new face uh, named Cole Ketzner. They're all uh, right now through five games, small sample size, but they're all hitting over 400. Nebraska, uh, a team that South Alabama could sweep. It looks like on paper they're 0-3-1. They played San Diego, lost three, and then tied that seven-inning, I, I guess it was a curfew situation or something, but They'll come to our place uh, Friday night, first pitch, 6.30. We'll go at 2 on Saturday, Sunday at 1 o'clock, and it'll be the Jags and the 0-3-1 Cornhuskers. Should be fun. Thanks, J.D. I appreciate it. And have a great weekend at the ballpark, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Heck, heck yeah. I, I, I'm honored. I appreciate you inviting me, man. You bet. Take care now. We'll talk to you soon. That's J.D. Byers, the voice of South Alabama sports. Big win last night. TV game tomorrow night, ESPN is it two? I think it is. Louisiana and the Jags at 8 o'clock tomorrow night for their final regular season game. 
And as we just said, Nebraska comes to town for three for so baseball. Somebody um, <clears throat> on this Brandon Miller thing brought up an interesting point. And this is this would be one of the questions I have for authorities or whatever. So we know that he got a text saying, hey, bring my gun, right? But he was already on the way. How did he react to the text? Did he reply? Because the idea was he didn't know the gun was in the car, right? So if you get a text saying, hey, bring my gun, wouldn't you reply, sorry, dude, I'm already on the way, right? Or where is it? I can't answer that because I've never replied to a text while driving. Look at you. Nobody, no one's gonna, nobody's can, gonna hold you accountable for well, that. Well, you know, I'm like, I'm not that good on that but, stuff. But you understand? I think that's a, that's an interesting point that the that that the listener made was what was the reaction to that text? Did he reply? Did he start searching the car? Did he go run back to the house or the apartment? Because he didn't know he had the gun, right? Something to think about. When we go to break here, because we got to get you a scoreboard. Save it for Mike Rodak. See what he says. <clears throat> it's actually a really good point, um, and 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 maybe that information's out there. And I just there's so much <laughs> being uh, talked about. So we'll uh, we'll definitely bring that up with Mike. That might be my first question. That's a great point. The opening kickoff continues. Here comes scoreboard traffic and weather. Mike Rodak, AL.com will join us at eight thirty. Stay with us. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. This is a very underwhelming high school class, one of the worst that I've seen in the last 20 years. But Bronny James is improving at a rate that I haven't seen from any player in this class. I've been watching him since he was a freshman in high school, and every time I see him, he's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more explosive. His shooting has improved. His ball handling is getting better. Um, he's a tremendous teammate. He's an outstanding connector. We're not talking about a guy who's going to be an all-star, in my opinion, like his father. You're looking at a, uh, you know, a DeAnthony Melton, Marcus Smart, best case, a Drew Holiday type player, a phenomenal role player who impacts winning at the highest level. Did you call for that one, Lee? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I don't know where this junk's coming from. Wow. I, I had the pinball wizard, uh, the who, you know, some lively music. Sports what do I care about? It's a sports show. Who was that, first of all, that was talking about Bronny James? Who was that? That was ESPN's Jonathan Giveney. Oh, okay, a household name. You know him, Mark? I'm not familiar with his work. I'm not either. Roddy James, top 10 uh, projected pick in next year's mock draft. And LeBron said, wherever Bronny goes, he's going to go. All right, let me let me throw this at you. If if high school player, you remember when, well, you, you don't, you weren't even born then, I don't think. But when uh, LeBron came out, he didn't go to college. He came right out, went right to the pros. Is Bronny in that category? That could he, if you were allowed to do it, which you can't, you have to sit out a year but could he? I mean, yeah, I think because you could he play pro basketball James. today? Is he that good? Well, if we listen to what Jonathan Giveney said, no, I'm asking you. I don't care about what he said because you're a podcast uh, sensation. That's right, me and uh, Stephen Root. Right. What NBA do you guys say? I don't care about Jonathan. WNSB now. I don't care about Jonathan Gibby. Well, you know, Bronny, he's a good defender. And he's getting better every day. <laughs> oh, and so that... But the real trick here is 
Listen, Look, how people. How many Bronny James games have I seen? Not a full one. But the key is, even if he's like the 30th best player in that draft class, he's probably going to go top five. Because you know, if you get Bronny, you also get LeBron. Who will be, what, 40? Yeah. Would you would would you not take Bronny in the top five? If you were if you knew you were gonna get his father, first off, you're getting a rookie whose dad right. is gonna be on the okay, team. Okay, like, here's he's the deal. Never gonna get in trouble. You have he's to always gonna be at practice. All right, you have to tell me about which <laughs> team it is. Maybe it's a team that's not going anywhere and they're not drawing fans, and that would be a good gate, you know, to get. But if you have a, a let's say a contending team, really? You think they room together on the road? How much of a <laughs> father would that and son be for Bronny, dude? Yeah, yeah, father son. Like LeBron probably loving it, right? Spending quality time with with oh, the kid, yeah. right? How miserable would it be for Bronny? <laughs> well, wait a minute. You don't room with guys anymore. They get their own rooms. They get their suites. You think? Yeah, they don't room. They don't do that anymore. Hmm. But maybe been... on this occasion it'd be special. It'd be like, hey, James, you guys are over. James there. and James room suite A. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure Bronny would just. Oh yeah, I can't wait to ruin Ronnie my dad. going out to the club, ready, ready to let off some steam. And what school is he going to? The Goofy movie. Do y'all remember that movie? The what? The Goofy movie. Yeah, where Goofy like was really trying to hang out with his son Max, and yeah. Max was like, "Come on, Dad." But then by the end of it, what do we all learn? So, which school do you think he's going to? <laughs> um, probably Ohio State, right? Well, let's see. Maybe what, somewhere in California. Oregon was there, and I think there was a school. Was it USC? Was it the three? Were his last three choices? Could be. He could go play for the G League Ignite. That's what I was going to ask, too. Is he good enough to play there? Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting. So what did we learn from Max and Goofy? <laughs> oh, you how know, are we? You, you, you got to just... It means a lot to your dad, and in the future, it'll mean a lot to you when you look back. Maybe yeah. in the moment, you're a little short-sighted. You're thinking about all your high school friends, right? Uh, I was just wondering because you were going to keep it about sports, so that's why I was curious where you were going with that. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I pinball back and forth between yeah, things. I kind of missed little... that. I was really looking forward to the pinball wizard. That's okay, man. Uh, I showed you how to pull up Spotify on your iPad yesterday so you can uh, connect it to your Bluetooth on your car and listen to it on the way home. Thank you. That? How about that? That's good yeah. stuff. Um, someone in the app sucks being a coach and trying to coach up Ronnie while LeBron is standing over your shoulder. Like the ultimate dad move right there. <laughs> yeah, how would that work? It wouldn't is the problem. You'd, you'd almost have to have LeBron be like a playing coach yeah. to make it work. Jackie Moon action out there. Yeah. Jackie Moon. That what what if they all. got draft? What if Bronny got drafted to Charlotte? Okay. Okay. Michael Jordan runs the Hornets. So then you got Jordan and both the James in there. And then just for fun, you also got Lavar and LaMelo Ball. Yeah. All of a sudden. That sounds like a reality that's show media, now, man. Yeah, I was going to say that's the top team in America. Yeah. That's a reality show. Right there. That's like hard knocks NBA style, right? That's, yeah, that's sure. the one show at. I'm sure there'd be no uh, collisions between uh, LeBron and Michael Jordan. I'm sure that would go real smooth. Jordan would be like, uh, sit him. Why? Yeah, because I said so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back, Mike Rodak set to join us here on uh, WNSP. 
we will talk about, well, what we've been talking about all day or all week. Brandon Miller and the Crimson Tide. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. We'll take your calls at the end of the show. Mark and Lee, the opening kickoff. And Nick, stay with us. of his 41 points yesterday the game-winning layup for Alabama when they defeated South Carolina they were favored by 17 going there South Carolina under 500 played a heck of a game and it turned out to be an Alabama win and they maintained first place in the SEC they got Arkansas coming up this Saturday and then uh, they still have Texas A&M to go to Texas A&M which could be for first place in the SEC. We ready for Mike? Indeed, Let's we do it. it. Mike Rodak covers Alabama for AL.com. He's a lot closer to the situation, obviously, approximate uh, than we are uh, being up in that area. Mike, I want to welcome you to the opening kickoff. It's a pleasure to have you on with us. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I want, well, start out with a very general overview. I want to get your opinion on how you think Alabama's handled the entire situation, the tragedy, Brandon Miller, and, of course, press conferences with NATO. It's just to get your view on everything connected with this before we get into specific questions. Yeah, so I would say the first, the, the opening act of this, if you will, you know, when Miles was first arrested and they had the press conference the next day and they had the Vanderbilt game, um, you know, I thought they handled that part of it fairly well, you know, given the circumstances, um, you know, obviously moved quickly to get miles off the team and, um, you know, as a team themselves, they, they kind of overcame that and, you know, started winning a lot of games too. So, um, you know, this more recent part of it, I think has not been handled quite as well. And that's, you know, honestly something they've said as, as well. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is, you go back to that first press conference after Miles arrested and Oates was asked, were there any other players involved? And he didn't say no, but he said, um, you know, every player is traveling to the next game. And then nothing was said after that about Brendan Miller or Jaden Bradley for that matter. Um, and they knew that this hearing was coming on Tuesday and, I think any reasonable person would assume that that was going to be discussed during the hearing was Brendan Miller's involvement. And so they really didn't get out ahead of it. And they could have said something that, um, you know, yes, you know, Miller was there, but he's cooperating as a witness. They could have been proactive about it. Instead, they really allowed it to the story to get out ahead of, of themselves where, you know, bits of information were coming out of that courtroom and it was difficult because I was there in the, in the Coleman media room that morning on Tuesday, 
And there was only a short story that came out from the Tuscaloosa thread because there's no phones, there's no recording devices, there's no laptops allowed in that courtroom. And so one of those reporters had left and just written a very short story with very brief details about Miller, but nothing about the text message. And so by the time Oates came, that's all we knew. And it was right after Oates finished his press conference when we found out the full details and everybody was able to leave the courtroom and actually you know, get on their phones and laptops and write the story. So we didn't have all the details asking Oates, but then Oates didn't really handle it well given what he was asked. So I think the much better approach for Alabama would have been more proactive and to try to get the message out on their end that Miller was not going to get charged, that he was not in trouble, that he was just a witness. And I think the last 48 hours would have gone a whole lot better for Alabama if they did. Do you think in any way, shape, or form that there should have been any disciplinary action against Miller, even going back to January 14th, or are you okay with the way it is uh, played out? I think it's really difficult to discipline him if there's not a specific offense that you can point to. Um, legally, there isn't, and that's something the, the DA has said, and I and even legal experts that, you know, Carol Robinson from AL.com have spoken to, you need intent in terms of transporting the weapon uh, or knowledge of wrongdoing, and there's no evidence of that. You know, that's not to say that didn't exist, but there's no evidence of it. So if there's no evidence, can't be charged. There's nothing to stand on with Brendan Miller other than sort of the vague idea that he used poor judgment, um, which is valid. I think that's a valid argument to make. But, um, again, you, you sort of have to prove it if you're the school that you're shutting this player down. And then the other question is, well, how long? Like, you're just going to suspend him for a game? Are you going to suspend him for a half? Are you going to suspend him for five games? People say, like, you need to sit him down until the process plays out. But, I mean, there's nothing – there's no legal process around Brendan Miller. I mean, in the Darius Miles trial could take – months if not years so you just can't pause this entire guy's career based on you know the idea of poor judgment but again i i I do think that there is validity to the argument that he used poor judgment I, i just don't think alabama really has an argument to stand on to actually discipline him mike rodex our guest here on wnsp so um i had a so help me out here So there was a text to Brandon Miller saying, bring my gun. The lawyer, one of the entities that said, but he was already on the way to the scene anyway. My question is, and we may not know the answer. Did Miller see that text? Did he reply to that text? And if he didn't know the gun was in the car, would he have acted accordingly? Searched his uh, searched his car, texted dude back and said, "Hey, uh, what are you talking about? I don't even know where the gun is." You know, you know what I mean. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, and and to, to that point, I, I, I I'm honestly not sure yeah. um, because there's only I think four or five reporters in that courtroom. There's no, you know, there's no recording of it. There's no audio recording we can listen back to. There's no video recording of the testimony we can listen back to, and that's because of this judge's rules, which. Honestly, I think it's to the detriment of the public that this judge in Tuscaloosa is shutting everything down and has shut everything down where there's nothing can really get out of the courtroom other than handwritten notes from reporters from a two-and-a-half-hour testimony. And I think, again, yeah. that's to the detriment of the public that's trying to learn facts about this. But I don't know the answer to that question. And in terms of, um, you know, did he respond to the text? That's, 
that's also not something that was answered in the attorney statement. And the attorney statement, to be fair, really glossed over sort of one action to the next. It just went from saying he uh, Miles sent Miller the text, and then it said Miller arrived at the scene to pick up Miles, yeah. which that's the kind of the key the key action of this whole sequence was what happened and, and what was known and, and why that happened. And the statement kind of lost over that. And, you know, from a defense attorney standpoint, probably for good reason. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of what was said in court, again, I don't know what sort of details were presented that fill in that blank, if there were any. Um, and just from talking to Carol, I mean, there certainly were blanks, that still remain um, from some of the, the narrative that was presented during the testimony. So uh, I guess the answer to the question is we don't know. And again, it's very difficult to know uh, when this judge wants this case to be so secret instead of something that the public can consume. Mike Rodak covers Alabama for AL.com. So down the road, now I know Alabama's kind of made these players off limits. Um, but once... Once you get to the SEC tournament, is it open game, or do they have to wait till they get to the NCAA tournament before questions can be asked to the players? Um, I do not know the SEC's rules as far as requiring players. Um, and it's been – I mean, last year was kind of the first SEC tournament that was kind of back to normal. Because the, the two before that would have been the first two that I covered, but those are both COVID years, so that's all Zoom and all that. So. I, I don't honestly know. Uh, I know, like, in terms of the college football playoff and the bowl games, a lot of those will require certain things media-wise. Like, we had to go into the locker room after the Sugar Bowl, which was the first time we've done that in years. Uh, and we could talk to any player in there because that was what the Sugar Bowl required of Alabama. I do not know if the SEC requires that. And I think the SEC is also well aware of the entire Brandon Miller situation that they might um, try to avoid that that sort of conversation, um, but I'm sure that there will be national reporters up there in, in Nashville and, and all that. I would tend to doubt that we talked to Brandon Miller before that. Uh, we might not talk to players before that. I mean, Alabama won, I think, two weeks before giving us a player interview after the initial Darius Miles thing. So it's a good question. I, I would imagine by the time the NCAA tournament rolls around, there is requirements from the NCAA that he would have to talk, um, but I think Alabama might look at that as, you know, they can kind of ride it out because that's still three, four weeks away, and that kind of allows the story to, to fizzle out in terms of some of the national interest that it's getting right now. Mike, I got two questions for you. Number one, if you were doing a one-on-one with Brandon Miller, what would be your first question to him right now? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I, I Honestly, I'd have to think about it before giving a, a, a reasoned answer, but I think it's it's obviously something – uh, you know, relating to what he knew about Brand- about Darius Miles' intentions on that text. I think that was probably that's the crux of the matter. Second question, Nate Oates has been taking quite a beating on social media. Does he deserve this? Yes, to some extent. Um, I do think to a, to a certain extent as well that Nate Oates is a little bit um, miscast as I, I, I think there's a lot of times when Nate Oates just says what's on his mind. He doesn't know or doesn't realize some of the implications of it. He's a very honest guy from a media standpoint. I've always appreciated that. I appreciated that going back to Buffalo. I think that's what we want of people we cover is to be honest. And 
that's gotten him in trouble for different things over the years. Um, you know, in terms of like whether he had poor intentions or whether he was um, trying to cover it up with Brandon Miller, I I honestly can't speak to that. I know Greg Burns says that Nate didn't have all the information. I do think Nate comes off as very genuine um, most of the time, and he might have just said what he thought was true, and he might have been wrong about that. Um, so, you know, I, I think people that say that he's intentionally covering up, I, I just can't prove that. I'm just going off what I know about Nate Oates, and, again, I think it was more stupid for him to say some of what he said than it was, um, you know, poorly – or was some sort of cover-up or was something that was malintended. Yeah, I, I like Nate Oates. I really do. But I, I don't understand why he even spoke out. Why even say anything? I, I mentioned about this uh, wide receiver for LSU who was charged with carrying a, a concealed weapon the other day. And, and basically, LSU responded by saying, we're looking into the details. We have no comment. Now, why, I don't understand why Nate Oates just didn't follow that line of thinking and not even get involved in saying things which have come back to backfire on him. Yeah, and he needs to, I think, for his sake, do a better job of doing that. Now, for our sake, I'm, I'm never going to tell somebody to do that because I think, again, give, give us the most honest answer. And if you're not giving just a canned sort of statement from a lawyer, that's better from our standpoint. But, you know, I would imagine Alabama, if they haven't already, is really going to try to get him trained in, in terms of PR. You probably do a boot camp this summer. And, um, you know, he's probably going to be a little bit tighter lipped. You could tell last night after the game that, I mean, he was reading off a piece of paper, basically, um, for, for his opening statement about that. So, um, it's again, he just speaks his mind. He's said kind of dumb things in the past, the Ray Lewis thing, you know, in, in the wake of the Darius Miles incident where he said he spoke to Ray Lewis. You don't have to say that. He probably shouldn't have said that to us. Um, but he just answered the question. And, again, from a media standpoint, One final segment of the day. Uh, thanks for making us part of your morning. Uh, just so you know, we are on the road tomorrow. We are out of studio. Our championship drive takes us to Baker. Baker right up the street. Right up the street on airport. Uh, we'll be there from 6 to 9. Uh, I'll have to leave now to get there. You should. Yeah. You should. And I can give you directions. <laughs> Just go to airport till just go down to airport till it ends. Or one thing I should tell you though, uh, we're we're going to be in front of the gymnasium again. Okay. I think the last time we were there, we were in a different location, but since students are out and there's not much traffic around there, and the 300 member band won't be there, uh, we'll just be in front of the gymnasium again in case you want to bring your basketball and warm up before the game. You know, in the gym with Dave Armstrong, and don't know if LeBaron. Uh, there's a chance he may even join us because you know students are out but there's a chance he may come by now steve norman is always a hit with us i mean you know the 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 collision course between him and matt mccoy is something to behold but steve's on the road he'll join us by phone tomorrow we'll also talk to the baseball and the softball coaches and some of the other coaches i think even the wrestling coach is coming on all right sounds good uh and of course we'll keep an eye on this whole uh you know we asked paul feinbaum earlier today how, where the story goes, how does it advance? And um, I, I'm not sure at this point 
if it does. I'm sure it will in some capacity. Well, I think it will, and I think it'll heat up when reporters can get a chance to talk to Brandon Miller. I really do. And I don't know. Again, I asked Mike, and, and I don't know the rules for the SEC. I know in the NCAA tournament, Mark, that you the players have to be they that you you get a chance to interview the players, okay? Unless unless something happens to the contrary, but somewhere along the line, somebody's going to get to Brandon Miller and ask him questions about this. I don't know if he can speak about it. He may say because it's in a legal process, I can't comment on it, and that's a very valid answer because this thing is going to drag on. I think uh, because right now. The two suspects, the capital murder suspects, they're not, they were not granted bail. And it's being uh, remanded to a grand jury. So you got to figure indictments, you know, that takes a while. So after that, then you got to set a trial and so forth. So this is going to drag on well after the college basketball season. Right. And it'll be interesting to see. Um, well, I think. I think the feedback that we've gotten, at least today, and I wasn't here yesterday, so you might be able to, I, th- I think, tends to um, fall on where your allegiance lies, um, which is normally the case in these things. Uh, I will say this, and it's a little apples to oranges. It's a lot of apples to oranges, actually. But uh, I, I did, say, from a basketball standpoint, what he did last night was incredibly impressive in, in and of itself. You throw on fact on the uh, you throw on top the fact that the fans were clearly after him every time he touched the ball with the chants and the boos and then everything that's kind of weighing on his shoulders. Um, and I say it's apples to oranges because it, it reminds me a little bit of what Cam Newton went through at Auburn, right? I, I, we talked about it a lot when that happened. Uh, now, clearly, two very different situations in the gravity and severity of those things are very different. But the idea that you can go out and perform at such a high level with so much weighing on you and that you can compartmentalize that um, is is pretty impressive. It is, but keep in mind it was South Carolina, and they don't sell out. Uh, it's not a hotbed of basketball now. The program's not doing all that well. I wouldn't call it a very hostile. Now, they when they go to Texas A&M, things could be different. Uh, if they were playing at maybe Kentucky, things could be different. Maybe even at Arkansas, although the game with Arkansas is a home game, so there's that. I think only you know maybe when he goes to A and M, maybe this thing will cool down. I don't know. Uh, and let's face it, uh, when he go, you go out and post numbers like that with all the drama surrounding you. See, and Paul brought this out, and it's true. I was listening to a uh, on another station this morning, a a, uh, a sports talk. Uh, actually, a scoreboard, believe it or not. Somebody else does scoreboards what? besides me. Yeah, yeah. You, well, obviously not. And he said, uh, well, Houston won yesterday, but nobody cares about that. It's a, it's the Alabama game. So here was Houston number one. They played yesterday. They won. And he just said that that, that game was totally overshadowed by Alabama because of the Brandon Miller story. Yeah. So I, I don't think the media is going to let this one go away for a while. It may simmer. And then when you get into uh, the tournament and then you get into the NCAA tournament, I think this will be uh, somewhat of an issue. I really do. And again, well, you know, and again, lost in all of this, the tragedy of it all. A 23-year-old mother of a, of a son killed. And, 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 and you, you, you think back, like, how, why? How did this even happen? You know? And anyway. So I'll see you tomorrow at Baker. I'll be there.
Nick, thanks for everything, bud. Yeah, hey, thanks for the uh, Bronny James uh, intro there. That was really, really good. Thanks. The uh, app seemed to really appreciate it. Of course they do. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, until then, until 6, see ya.